Okay, well, welcome back to the studio, Dottie Hegmeyer. I'm so glad you're calling in to give us an update. Yes, thank you so much. There's been quite a few things happened since our, our last chat, so I'm happy that you brought me back to update your listeners on what's going on, so thank you. Okay, good. Well, so, okay, when I last left you, you were going to catch a plane after our interview and head up to Sacramento to see what you could do to give some input and um, maybe to... to see if you could sway um, them to your opinion, and let's hear what happened. Well, first of all, it's a coordinated effort, and there's been just hundreds and hundreds of people that have been working furiously on this cause and very many organizations and coalitions working together to do just that. So it's definitely uh, not my, my, you know, lone effort by any means. Um, but yes, I did go up there with the other warriors that um, are working to preserve our freedoms and to really to bring the information to the assemblymen that maybe they are not aware of and that they don't know so that they can really look at the whole, all of the information and make a decision based on the information that possibly they just did not know before they cast their vote. So I, I got on the plane, went up there, we had... Um, a few, several meetings with assemblymen, several different coalitions met with these assemblymen to give them that information. And then, as you all know, we went to the assembly floor, I mean, the, to the assembly health committee meeting um, for the vote. And it was the only um, committee that this bill was assigned to in the assembly. And what happened there was not too unexpected, disappointing but um, it was a 6 to 12 vote um, for the bill. The six, the six assemblymen who voted um, against the bill were all Republicans and the others were Democrats, and one abstained from her vote. Um, so our panelists that got up there to share um, some insight with assemblymen um, in along with Dr. Pan and going back and forth, they brought up some really awesome points the assemblymen that were there, one of whom was um, Rocky um, Chavez from Oceanside. He was really amazing, and he brought up some really great points um, in regards to the necessity of the bill. And I think that this is where um, the general public needs to understand this, this fear-mongering that's happening. He, Rocky Chavez really dispelled that in very clear, in a clear manner. And Rocky was on the, on the fence about this, even though he's a Republican. It's not, a, it's not a partisan issue. Um, it's about the safety and health of our children, and that's what the premise is, according to, to Dr. Pan and Allen, that this bill is to protect our society from these terrible childhood diseases that are plaguing our, our nation now with these epidemics, like the 136 cases of measles in Disneyland back in December. But Rocky Chavez brought up a really amazing point that... I think that even many of the assemblymen did not know that the Department of Health in California, um, by their own admission, has said that our vaccination rates are exactly where they should be. We are not falling short. We do not have a health crisis in our, in our, in our state. And there is no reason for this type of draconian, fail, fail sweep type of uh, bill that's going to come in based on these, this case of measles that was in a a public place where there's 
tens of thousands of hundreds of thousands of uh, visitors that come through it from all over the world um, to say that this was um, an outbreak that happened that was um, some type of thing that was you know widespread across the nation. It was contained. The outbreak is, is admittedly over by everyone. And um, so the, to then to use that as a platform to say that we're in some type of a crisis, Assemblyman Chavez brought to the attention to everyone what is what we know. And it was really telling because when you sit back and you look at this bill, and you go, okay, we're going to go and um, make a decision for every single child in our state and if they don't choose, if their parents choose not to vaccinate them full schedule, plus allow the state then to come in with any other vaccines that they deem necessary, if we don't agree to that, then our child will not be able to go to a public or private school that's, you know, that's allowed to us in the Constitution for our rights. And so, you know, I was really proud of the assemblyman that actually stood up and actually could see that. Um, and I'm not really sure why the other, you know, why the other ones, you know, made their decisions. They they gave their views, and while I respect their views, um, they're not really based in, in the truth. And the reality of the situation is that we're not in a health crisis. So that's what happened in Sacramento. Um, yeah. Can you can you give us some insight into some of the things you observed that were um, maybe untoward that you didn't feel was um, the right way for the political process to carry out, or did you just I mean, did you see any playing, like we talked about in the initial interview? Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I really didn't see anything um, that was you know, out of, really out of the ordinary that was, that was um, that played out in some of the Senate hearings. Um, I really actually felt like the, um, the, the head of this committee really did an excellent job as far as, um, you know, facilitating a conversation with our panelists. Um, I really felt like they were able to say a lot more than than they've gotten to say in in the Senate hearings. Definitely, um, you know, I just I just felt like the whole the whole situation was just was interesting because um, you know there were a couple of there was one, one um, assembly woman in particular who seemed very angry. You know, um, she was really she came off very angry. We were kind of sitting in the room, kind of taken back by her her anger in response to people questioning the safety, efficacy, and not only that, but the, necess- the necessity of vaccines. And it was, that was, that, that was probably the most disturbing thing for, for me as far as like just sitting in the, in the room and, and seeing the interaction of the assemblymen. But everybody else was, was very respectful, I think, giving their own views, giving their opinions, um, you know, they, uh, of course, the, the, the senator, um, Senators Pan and Allen, of course, they, it's their bill, and so they are able to have their lobbyists that they're with them, which is, uh, we know, as, you know, pharmaceutical um, lobbyists. And, you know, we, it, it, it's in question, you know, it's in, in question for us, what is the motivation for this type of bill? If there's indeed not a crisis, which is clearly, there clearly is not, what is the true motivation behind this bill? And why are we now going to require every single child to have every single vaccine? You know, they keep talking about that, that there's pockets of people that are unvaccinated. But instead of addressing the, the real issues where they feel like it's an issue, um, they're going after everybody, you know, instead of like maybe going and 
let's look at what's really going on and try to figure out what we can do to implement some other system. And another, a couple other points that some of the assemblymen brought up, which I thought were excellent, was in regards to AB 2109, which was a bill that was also introduced by Senator Pan and was put into effect in 2014. And it basically gave another step for people before they opted out of getting a vaccination that they had to be counseled by their medical professional. And then the medical professional had to sign off on their personal belief exemption. And since that time, the personal belief exemptions have gone um, down by, tr by 19%, which shows that their bill was already doing what they, wh which was what their intention was. And so, you know, the question is, okay, people, if, if, right? if, if, that's, if that's going down, um, then wh wh why are we rushing? Why are we ratcheting up the control would be a good question. And did, did you get any insight as to why? They feel like they're doing this? I guess you really didn't, right? Other than there's some hidden motivation that we don't understand. Well, I'll tell you what they said and what, what Senator Pan and um, a couple of the other assemblymen have said is how many more outbreaks is it going to take for us to, to take action? So they're using this as saying we have to act now before something worse happens. There was only 134 they say it two different ways. One is it was a terrible outbreak and then they'll say well it was only 130 something cases so you know we need to do something now we need to act now before you know we have outbreaks of everything not just the measles but I mean they're talking about polio and all of these things that um, may happen if we don't act now and you know these people are dangerous and if, you know these exemptions they have to they can't be allowed to do this they're you know putting everybody at risk and you know and it just seems like there's their their rationale for these are completely um, not founded in in the in the black and white reality of the statistics of our vaccination rates in California. Right. It so doesn't, it, it doesn't support their their premise of these bills whatsoever. Okay. So give me a feeling of the room. Was it divided equally among supporters of the bill and people that wanted the bill to be denied, or was it mostly people that did not want the bill to pass in the room with you? Oh well, you know every single um, every single hearing, those giant rallies that we've had have all been, you know, ninety probably ninety nine percent of ninety something percent of um, of citizens against the bill, and a handful of people that are for the bill in the room, and not only in the room. Well, it's probably less than that for supporters. There's only so many people that could fit in the room. The rooms aren't that big. It's probably like ninety nine point nine percent of of us there, of the people that are against the bill, and 1% of them for the bill. And that, you know, that is so interesting because, you know, they, in the, after the, um, the people are able to share their views on the panel, then they, everybody gets to go up to the mic and do their, their what they call me too. So you say your name, who you represent, and whether you're for or against the bill. Um, we had probably... I know there was over a thousand people there for sure. There were more than that um, at the rally beforehand. Um, they were all the way down the halls, packed into overflow rooms, down in staircases. There were people, they were, the whole entire Capitol was jammed full of people that were wearing red, which has been the color to represent people that are um, against 
AB, I mean, SB 277. So, no, there was no balance. I'm not sure where the citizens are that are crying out um, for this, for this, for this bill. Right. I see a lot of people that come up there that are supposedly representing an organization like the um, CMA and the American Academy of Pediatrics, but I want to know where those parents are that support that. I want to know where the citizens are that vote. Where are they at? If, it, if it's such a terrible outcry and, you know, such a need, where are all the people that are demanding that we have, um, you know, everybody vaccinated or they don't go to school? Where are those people? Because they're not showing up. It's such a good uh, question that, because it makes you wonder who's lurking quietly because they're not really showing their face, um, those people, except for the except for the except their pawns in, uh, I shouldn't say that, but, you know, assemblymen well, in this. Senators. Well, they, they get up there in their suits and they say, well, we represent, you know, X amount of people and all these doctors and scientists and nurses or whatever. And I'm like, well, where are they? Show me where they are because they're not showing up. We've been there every single time. There's thousands of us. We come out in droves. And those are the people that actually can make it to Sacramento. But there's not, there's very few of their actual citizens. A lot of these people are either lobbyists or that are, that are um, for the bill or, you know, representing some, some system, some, I don't know, some organization or, or association. Um, they're not actually just a concerned mom that's up there. There's a handful, very, very few. Um, the, there's concerned people in this country, in our, in our state, that are getting up and they're sacrificing their time and their sleep and their are the pay. ones that are getting, they're getting there to the Capitol with all costs, taking bus. We had like four busloads of people coming up from the south up there you know, driving all night long to be there. They don't even, most of them don't even get into the to the room. They stand out in the hallways. The hallways are, were so hot um, on Tuesday. And those women are my heroes. Those women that go, and the men that have traveled, they've stayed up late because they care about their children. And the fact that these people can go up for two hours in front of the microphone and tell that they're against the bill and for it to be completely dismissed is, is, is unbelievable. That's the most unbelievable part of this whole thing, that it just seems like they just look at us as if we are completely misled, that there's all these people that are just, you guys are just hearing all this misinformation. You guys need to get educated and look at the science. And that's the way they, they not only <laughs> um, perceive us, but they actually say it. They come out and say it, you know, on Dr. Pan says it on his Facebook page, um, they, they say it in articles, they said it on the stand, um, in the assembly rooms and the Senate, Senate rooms and Senate floors. And, you know, it's, it's really sad because these are the citizens of our country that care. And they're the ones that are showing up to say, listen, don't there's take a our problem rights away. here. Yeah. Not only don't take our rights away, but look at what is really going on. Um, so I was so fascinated after I did the interview, I had contacted one of my children's schools because I had to get some records to them, and one of the immunization records was miss was missing. And I, I said, well, I think I'm just going to go ahead and sign the exemption while I still can <laughs> because I wasn't able. I've just recently moved, and everything I had for my children is in storage. And it was so interesting because um, she said, well, she goes, I was one of those parents that believed in vaccinating her children. And she said, I vaccinated my son. And shortly after he had the MMR, he became a type 1 diabetic at the uh -huh. age of three. And so she didn't vaccinate her second child. And it was the first time I'd heard, you know, in all the discussion that we've just been discussing vaccine injury, 
is that it was related to diabetes. Have you heard that before? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, um, type 1 diabetes is, is on the rise. It, it's been on the rise um, even more so along with, um, you know, allergies, asthma, ADD, ADHD, sensory processing disorder, and, of course, autism, which is the true epidemic in our country. Um, and so all of these have been massively on the rise since the 1986 um, National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act went into effect, and then they implemented it, implemented it. And 1989 was the gateway year when all of these vaccinations went from, um, you know, how it was when we were growing up to threefold. And that was because of the pharmaceutical companies with that act were able to get complete indemnification from any liability. And so they were able to really, without much care, that they were going to get sued from more, get sued more than they had been. Um, they were going to be protected, and so they were able to roll out much more, many more vaccinations on our schedule. And like we said last time, um, now by the time, from the time that your child is born, um, right when they come out, within, within a few hours, they start getting the hepatitis B shot. Then by the time they're 18 years old, they will have 69 doses of 16 different vaccines, which is absolutely incredible. And I would challenge any buddy who is a supporter of <clears throat> this kind of schedule to show me the studies that show that that's safe and that there's no adverse reactions to the accumulation of all of these toxins in our children's bodies because it can't be done. There's, there's been no studies because it just, you know, it just went into effect back in the 80s. So we don't know. And there have been, um, you know, there has been an increased report in, in um, type 1 diabetes with these kids, type 2, and... Um, we're just not really sure exactly why, but a lot of people have said, you know, after my child got a vaccine, shortly thereafter they developed diabetes. And, um, you know, there's all this anecdotal evidence that is just completely dismissed and not. And the problem with that is that I, I, what seems to be happening is more and more parents are coming forward with these, these you know, coincidences, and it's not being taken seriously or it's been dismissed or ignored for whatever reason. Um, instead of really researching what's really happening and is there a true connection and doing independent scientific studies where there is no interest in, um, in pharmaceutical companies, biotech companies that are funding any of the research where they're completely separated. But unfortunately, um, all these studies in the science that they continue to say is, um, is clear, those, if you look very closely at who's funding these, they're, they have close ties with pharmaceutical companies and biotechnical companies, and we know that that's a conflict of interest. So we need some studies, some clear studies that are independent. These, these, vac these vaccine manufacturing companies must be held liable for their, their products. Um, our children deserve to have people that are making things that they're going to be injected into their bodies. They must have the highest standards, and they must have a vested interest in the safety of their products so that they make sure that they're safe so that they don't get sued. But if you don't have any fear of that and things are rolling out on a fast track, like the Gardasil vaccine that was fast tracked after 18 months and was, was you know, put on our 12-year-old and 12 year old children and, and down to even 9-year-olds, you know, we, we're, we're questioning that. We're like, okay, why is this happening? And how, how, is this, how is this completely safe when you have not done the, really the controls and the studies um, 18 months, not going to cut it. Right. And, um, for that particular vaccine, we know that there's a massive amount of, of problems with it. 
with in, 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 in effectiveness as well as um, damage to many, many girls. Many have died. And yet, you know, there's not enough public outcry yet um, to really get something done. And that's what our movement is doing is to really to bring awareness about what's going on and so people can begin to see the truth. And so, you know, we don't wind up with all of our, our rights taken away and our children, you know, this, this train continuing down this road because it's a really scary road for what, um, what these authors are proposing. And I don't know if you saw the post that Dr. Penn made yesterday on Facebook, but he basically said that, um, I could give you the direct quote, but he, um, not only included the schools, which is what, which is what SB 277 is about, but he said that it was our consequence of not vaccinating our children and, and not being vaccinated apparently was that we were not going to be able to send our children to public or private schools. Then he included colleges and the workplace. So I know, like, I couldn't know, believe that. I mean, let's read, the, let's, let's read the handwriting on the wall here, people, and I think it's time for the American people to wake up. So, you know, it's not just about the children, just like Leslie said in, the, in our interview, but they're coming after the adults, and everybody is going to be affected one way or the other from this. And your ability to earn a living, apparently. <laughs> uh, it's, it's really terrifying, and I'm so thankful that you and so many other people like you are out there fighting for the rights of the people that can't get to Sacramento. What's the next step? So, so basically it was voted for, it was supported, and that was not the way we wanted it to go. If you were wanting your um, freedom from vaccinations, if that's something you want for your family, um, where do you go next? What happens? Okay, so what happened was in order for them to get it passed this far, um, there, were, there were people on both sides that had questions about those um, about the requirements of the bill. And so um, they've been, you know, uh, Senator Pan and Alan have been working with these people that had questions to put in amendments. So what they've done is they've put in several amendments to the bill to make it more, you know, to make it more tolerable, to make it easier to swallow for people. Uh, <clears throat> one of which has included um, the special needs children that have IEPs. And that is allowing the children that have IEPs to come on campus for their special services. This doesn't include their schools, but they can come in for special services. <clears throat> so they added that. They're, they're, wanting, they're wanting to add this really interesting um, broadening of the medical um, exemption. Because as it stands now, according to the CDC website, um, it is so difficult to get a medical exemption. As a matter of fact, 99.9% of the people do not um, qualify for a medical exemption. So what they were saying in the court, in the assembly uh, room, in the hearing room, was that um, what they're planning to do is to, if it, if they said if it goes to the assembly floor vote, that they will um, make this amendment where the doctors can can give a medical exemption on their on their discretion. But you know what? Here's the here's the thing, Kimberly, that that just is not going to happen. So you're going to tell me they're going to, in a California bill, they're going to put an amendment in that's going to supersede the CDC's guidelines and the AMA's guidelines? How is that going to work? And how, does, how is that legal? How can they do that? Because the, the, the medical exemptions, according to the CDC, are so tight, it is so difficult to get those. How do they think they're doing it? They're going to do this. So what happened is because he, they, they spun this to make, really, to fool the, the um assemblymen, in my opinion, to make them think that this, oh, yeah, well, you know what, people can get a medical exemption, blah, blah, blah. Well, the, the problem is, is that show me on what basis is, is that legal. 
show me how they're going to be able to do that. And what kind of tracking are they going to be doing to these doctors um, who begin to give medical exemptions? Um, so, you know, the thing is, is that, you know, there's, there's, there's issues going on. So to answer your question, they have to, these, these amendments that have been put forward, um, they have to actually go um, back to the Senate and um, get another, you know, they kind of have to, uh, you know, hammer it out in the Senate about these amendments. And according to what um, our, our very inside sources say, that Pan has not shared any of those amendments. And, and they're, you know, they just talked about them, but he hasn't actually shared his actual written submitted amendments. And so, so likely Tuesday or Wednesday, um, they're going to come up in the assembly, assuming the, the amendments are done by then. So what's going to happen is that it goes back to, it goes to the assembly floor. We don't know when that is. It's all speculation. The way that this bill has been kind of barreling through the legislation um, kind of points to that they're going to try to make it sooner than later. It is in their best interest to make it go as fast as possible because the truth about the safety and efficacy is coming forward. William Thompson from the CDC, as you know, who was the whistleblower, we talked about him. He is going to be coming up before a congressional hearing. That is going to happen. And when that happens and he shares that they were fraudulent in their very, very important study regarding the connection between the MMR vaccine given to black children, African-American boys under the age of 36 months to show that connection, they lied about it. They covered the data. They, they massaged the data to show that there was no risk when indeed there was over a 300 and something percent risk. An increased there's risk for them. An increased risk for autism yeah. with this population. Then there's also the Merck um, lawsuit that's pending that's also going to be heard to show that they did, that the whistleblowers came out from Merck to say that there was, um, you know, fraud, fraud happening there with the mumps vaccine, with the mumps part of the MMR to show that it was more effective than it truly was by spiking um, the mumps vaccine with antibodies from rabbits because they were not getting their desired results. So the bottom line is, is they're trying to push this through as fast as possible, Kimberly, because they know that they're in a house of cards right now and they know we're gaining momentum and we're not going away. We're going to continue to fight. And our objective is, is to um, educate mainstream America to question why they're going for this type of bill, why it's necessary, and then furthermore to investigate, you know, what's really happening as far as um, the truth behind the vaccine. So they're just like different stages of, of light, of understanding. Red and, flags you know, all the way. Red flags. Yeah, so after it goes to the assembly, after it goes to the assembly floor, floor it's supposed to go back to the Senate. And then it goes to Jerry Brown. Now, my understanding is that um, it has to pass by, if it passes by two-thirds, um, I'm not sure that Jerry Brown can actually, Governor Brown can actually um, veto the bill. But, you know, the, there's a lot of other issues surrounding whether or not he will. And, um, you know, this is not just about our personal belief exemptions. This is also about the religious exemptions. So if this bill passes, um, it takes away the personal belief exemption and the religious exemption, because right now they're kind of rolled up into one at this point. Um, but with this bill, there, there will be no, there's no way out except for if 
maybe your child has been injured by a vaccine and you can somehow get a, a medical exemption. But basically, so, your child will have to be injured by a vaccine before you can get an exemption. Some, or else, oh, else you have to homeschool. Somebody needs to tell Governor Brown that if he thinks the school choice movement was a big one, <laughs> wait till he sees what happens when you strip, you know, the rights of children away from their parents and you see you will see a massive amount of people not putting their kids in public school and the public school system will just completely fail because it will be defunded. There's, you know, I mean, it just doesn't even make sense why they would take rights away from parents to make decisions for their children. It just doesn't make sense at all. Well, the only sense that it makes is they, they really feel like the, the, the children and the parents that are opting out that we don't matter. It doesn't matter if we go away. They'll figure out a way to, you know, keep Inject our going. people. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's like we're expendable. Like, uh, the people that don't vaccinate, that, that make this terrible decision to not protect the rest of society by choosing not to vaccinate or just partially vaccinate, um, that we're a threat to society. So basically, it's like literally through, through going through this process and hearing the conversation um, from the people that support the bill, that's the, really the feeling that you, that you get from some of the comments that they make is, you know, it's not it's not important whether or not we go away or not. They they want everybody vaccinated. That's their goal. <clears throat> um, you know, and that's it, you know, this increases the pharmaceutical sales massively bottom line. And you know, unfortunately, you know, a lot of the campaign funding um, for many of the politicians are from the pharmaceutical company, and there's a lot at stake. So, have you, you know, been able to through the studying of this issue see who's behind the support of Dr. Pan and Senator Allen? Um, well, you know, there's a lot of um, research that's been going on about that. And, yeah, they have, there's, you know, it's pretty much open, you know, open book. And there's, they are very heavily funded by the pharmaceutical industry, heavily. Um, you know, the, I don't know the exact numbers, but it's, 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 um, it's impressive. You know, hmm. it's something, it's significant especially in light of the fact that this type of bill that is proposed, you know, I mean, if he had no ties to the pharmaceutical company, he really like totally cared about um, children's health and he was being funded by the whatever, you know, wow. anything else. You, you wouldn't, it wouldn't bring up so much suspicion with people, but you know, the, you know, people are, are not stupid and we can kind of put two and two together and figure some things out when it, especially when it comes to money and politics, we're, we're figuring some things out as, as thinking, as a thinking population, we can, we can put two and two together. So, you know, yeah, there's a lot there. Um, um, so yeah, so it's, it's just, it's incredible. Okay. It really, really is. So when, um, when we spoke over texting, you said that there's a possibility you might meet with Governor Brown. Is that going to happen? Well, I, I hope so. I hope that I'll get the opportunity with a, a team of, of, of experts and some other, you know, activists that we can go in and, and sit down with, with um, Governor Brown and, you know, really present the facts to him. You know, maybe he knows them and maybe he doesn't. Maybe he needs to hear our perspective to really understand um, the concern and the, and the truth um, in, in these regards. And, you know, hopefully we'll, if, if it does pass, it won't, it won't pass enough so that, you know, it can't be vetoed and we can get the opportunity to go in there. I mean, all we can do is what we can do. And um, I don't have a meeting with, with um, Governor Brown at this point, but I would definitely love to go in there on behalf of the mainstream moms, many of, of which do vaccinate 
fully, some of which vaccinate partially, some that, that don't at all, but just in general, the general population, um, to, to share with them our feelings, our views, as well as show him some facts and figures and point some things out that perhaps he hasn't, you know, really taken the time to really study and look at. Well, Dottie, I'm so glad you came back to take the time to tell us about your trip up there. And, you know, if, if you're listening right now, you're listening to Real People OC, and I'm your host, Kimberly Martin. And we've had the pleasure of had, having founder of Moms in Charge, uh, Dottie Hegmeyer, with us today. And Dottie, you at one point were a mom that was a blogger and a writer and organizing a women's group. And the last time your po- title popped up on my email, it was activist. And I can't tell you how thankful I am that you've taken on a new role. <laughs> well, you know, it was not a role that I've ever in my life dreamed that I would take, and I didn't realize I had that role until you called me that on, on the air last time. I'm like, okay, I'm an activist now. I'm officially an activist, and, <laughs> and I'm, still, I'm still a mom. I'm still a writer. I still have moms in charge, and my, my, my mission is still the same, to create a world where healthy is not only accepted but expected and to change the shape of our future to empower moms to make their own healthy choices with their kids. And, and I'm still doing that. This is something that's taken up a whole lot of my time with this issue regarding our rights and our truth and our safety and freedom. Such an important one. But uh, Moms in Charge is still going strong, and, you know, we're a community, and we're going to stick together through this no matter what side of the issues that we're on because being a mom is, is difficult enough without, you know, us tearing each other down on, on issues like this. We have to stand together. Such, a, such a good point. If somebody wants to follow you, uh, what's the best way to find out what you're doing, especially in regards to this issue, um, and to learn more about Moms in Charge? Right. Well, our website is uh, momsincharge.org, and you can reach me personally at Dottie, with a Y, D-O-T-T-Y, at momsincharge.org. We have a, a really awesome uh, Facebook group that's the general Facebook regarding um, raising healthy, vibrant kids, and that's Moms in Charge. I mean, that's uh, Moms in Charge on Facebook, so you just have to ask to join the group. It's a closed group. And then we had to create a separate group just for this particular discussion so it didn't clog up all the other interesting conversation happening in the Moms in Charge group, which is regarding our diet and what we put on our skin or, you know, upgrading our vices or medicine cabinet makeover, you know, doctor mom kind of stuff. Um, so we, we created a separate uh, Facebook page group, and that's on MIC, but the acronym for Moms in Charge, MIC to the heart, H-E-A-R-T. And um, so you can find us there. We um, I'm always updating um, the information on MIC to the heart regarding what's happening in the situation about the bill, um, giving insights about things. Um, that's our particular, every group that's on Facebook, there's a lot of different amazing groups and, and organizations and coalitions regarding this issue on Facebook, and I love them, and I'm, I'm a member of all of them um, because I like to get insights from each of those groups, and every single one of them has a, a unique personality, and I love that because, you know, we're, it's like a person. You know, we're all... That's our community. We're, we're all humans, but we're, we have, you know, we have a different way that we approach things. And Moms in Charge just, you know, approaches things the way that I do because I'm leading the group. And um, I really go about this in a, in a way that's not threatening and empowering and, you know, going along our journey with grace. And that's the personality of Moms in Charge and Moms in Charge to the heart. Um, there's no fighting or, you know, acting, you know... <laughs> 
there's no animosity going on in our group. We um, I really encourage peace and harmony in our interactions, a lot of uh, mindfulness, and sending positive vibes and energy and prayers to each other and to our leaders, praying for our leaders, praying for insights. Um, I think that that's really extremely important. I don't think that we can forget those aspects and trying to stay grounded and centered in a place of peace and harmony for our own selves, first of all, because we need to not get, you know, so off, off the charts with our, um, with the way that we conduct our, our lives so that we fall apart. Because if we fall apart, then our children fall apart and the, then the opposition or the, the people that are trying to take away our freedoms, they actually win. So I try to encourage the moms to pace themselves with the information. You know, do one thing um, every day if possible. You know, email or write your assemblyman or whoever it is that, you know, is up for um, whatever situation is, is, is presented to us at the time. Um, you know, staying on Facebook all day long is probably not the best idea ever. Some people feel compelled to do that, which is which is fine. But, you know, I think that we also need to take care of ourselves. And um, I, I really encourage moms to do that in this process because it's, it's, a, it's not going to just go away overnight, you know, even if the bill doesn't go through. This is a big agenda, um, and it's something that we all need to become more aware of and get involved with. So, um yeah, and then we do have a Facebook page, too, and it's Moms in Charge, so please like us on Facebook and uh, follow along. We have lots of great tips for moms, and we love to share other people's posts that are, you know, really experts. We love to link in and, and highlight experts in, in the field of health and wellness and um, nutrition and mindfulness. And so, yeah, we just like to we like to share the information that we find helpful for us and, you know, begin to empower moms more and more so that they can take the steps to their healthy, vibrant life that they and their children deserve. Well, Dottie, I'm so glad you came back on to give us that update. It was, it was, it was so important that you and so many were there fighting for our rights, and I'm very thankful for it. I am following this issue because of you, and I'm so thankful to know you. Thank you. And Kimberly, one more thing before we say goodbye. I wanted to just let everybody know that um, the call to action right now, if you are in the South, Orange County and uh, Northern uh, San Diego area um, near Oceanside tomorrow, we are having a, a rally. We're trying to get everybody there as much as possible um, for a new, a new campaign that we're doing called what's called Voters Call the Shots. And basically the bottom line is, is that whoever is in office, we need to let them know that we as the citizens appreciate our freedom and we appreciate the truth and we, we expect them to uphold that. And so the, 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 um, the legislators that are actually doing that and are voting for our rights, we are rallying around them. And so, um, as I mentioned, Rocky Chavez, the assemblyman of the Oceanside area, will be there. We're having a, a press conference. Um, Senator Joel Anderson will also be there speaking. And it's going to be at the um, Oceanside Civic Center in Oceanside at 10 o'clock in the morning tomorrow. We encourage everybody to come out to hear what's going on, to see the other people who are, um, you know, have questions and issues with this, this bill and link in. Um, and, you know, again, just, you know, if you're around, we encourage you to show up. The, um, you know, if there's, like I said before, if there's any, uh, if there's ever been a time to get involved and to be an activist, 
if you've never gone to a rally, this is this is the time. I mean, our rally in, in Sacramento that we had um, on the day of the vote, it was incredible. It was so electrifying, Kimberly. I wish you could have been there and heard the speakers and felt the energy and the passion. It was palpable. It was electrical. And it was beautiful to see people coming out, um, very calm, very peaceful, united in love and truth. And it was beautiful. And so this one, of course, won't be to that magnitude, but we are hoping that as we continue um, this rally and other rallies around our state, that we will gain even more momentum and bring more people together with awareness and truth. So, um, so I wanted to share so that, important. and I hope to see everybody out there that can get there. All right. Well, Dottie, thank you so much for coming back to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and letting real people OC um, know what you went through up there in Sacramento, and we'll be following you for sure. Okay, perfect. Thank you so much. It was a, an honor for me to, to share, and thank you for having me again, Kimberly. Okay, you're so welcome. Thanks, Dottie.